This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. All right. All right, Matthew chapter 6 and 16. We're going to go to our, our key verse for this message. And uh, the deal is this. As someone said, um, is, this, is this verse because of... Thanksgiving, the word yeast, and I said, of course it is. It has to all fit together. Watch out, Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Watch out, Jesus warned, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is for everybody here. This is Jesus talking to believers. Everyone in this room, this is your warning. This is an, a warning to believers that you got to protect yourself from the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so we're going to talk about Jesus being greater than religion. Jesus is greater than religion. Does anybody believe that here? All right, very good. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts today. We pray that you would speak to us, be with us. You're in this house. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the living word. God, let the word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I want to just tell you a quick story. Um, there's a story in the Bible. It's only found in the book of Luke. And it's actually told on the day of the resurrection, on Sunday, the resurrection Sunday. Uh, the Bible says that the women went to uh, the tomb to look for Jesus. And he was not there. And uh, Peter and John soon come after they hear that the body was gone. And there's a statement that we all know that's, that was said by the angels. Why seek ye the living among the dead. Why are you seeking for living things among dead things? He's not here. So everyone's kind of befuddled and they're trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, Jesus was crucified on Friday. On Saturday was the Sabbath. No one could do anything. So now they're checking up. Jesus isn't there. So on Sunday, there's a group of guys that are going to a place called Emmaus. This is found in Luke 24, Luke chapter 24. And we call this the road to Emmaus because it was a journey. It was a journey they were taking, about seven miles. They were going to a town called Emmaus. There was a group of disciples. And when they go, they're on their way, the Bible says that they were by themselves. There was no one else with them. They were on the journey alone. They were on the journey alone. Then they start talking about Jesus. So they're on a journey without Jesus. Then they're on a journey talking about Jesus. And when they start talking about Jesus, something happens. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up on their journey. And then as they begin to talk with Jesus, soon they will discover that this is Jesus. They were talking to Jesus about Jesus, and now they're talking with Jesus, knowing who he is. And you see that every one of us are on a journey, and we all start this journey without him. And then all of a sudden, we start a dialogue. Does God care? Where am I? Um, is there hope? Uh, you know, my, my, broken, my brokenness. We start talking about Christ. We start talking about God. And all of a sudden, he shows up in that conversation. And at the end of it all, he's sitting in a room with them, and he begins to unfold the gospel. He begins to open their eyes to the Old Testament, saying, all this stuff that transpired, all these prophecies, they had to be fulfilled. I am Jesus. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And now he's in fellowship with them. And I want to submit this idea to you that God's plan for your life is not to not get you into some religious institution. 
But God has something greater. His plan for your life is for you to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the, essentially, that's the plan that God has for your life. He wants you to have a relationship. When he made man the garden, the garden wasn't what was sacred. What was sacred? It was the relationship that God and Adam had in the garden, not the garden. The garden was just, just the structure. It was just, it was just the stuff that would, would, would house what God and Adam would get to experience through relationship. And so what we put a premium on is relationship relationship, not religion. Everybody say relationship, not religion. Now you say, why are you going, why, why are you knocking religion? Okay, I'm going to tell you where religion comes from. And we're talking about religion and religiosity. I'm going to tell you where it comes from. It comes from human nature. Because our human nature, we want to make things in sync, we want to we want to make things easy. We want check boxes. We want to create simple rules. We want to create lines in the sand, and we want this to make sense and be easy. Everyone knows that relationships are not easy. Relationships are more fluid. They're conversation. There's learning and growing and stretching. Can I get an amen from anybody? Right. You you don't put your relationship with your spouse in a box and say, okay, on on Tuesdays we will meet at this time. Don't be late to service. We will have a relation service. We will we will talk and then we will we will see you next week. And no one does that, right? That's not that's not that you you would you would be like, this is the worst relationship ever. And yet we kind of do the same thing with our relationship with God. We put it in time slots and we go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go meet the Lord. Well, what if he wants to walk with you through the journey of life? What, do you want, what if he wants to walk with you through work and, and through school and in re- every other relationship you have? What if, what if this journey is more relational than it is religious? And so we got to look at this dichotomy because where does religion come from? Well, it comes from the human nature. And let me explain. A long time ago, there was a bunch of people that got together. They said, hey, we want to get to God. We want to get to heaven. And we're going to do it within our own strength. And we're going to build a tower called Babel, the Tower of Babel. And this is where humanism really kind of, kind of uh, exposed itself. We will, God kicked us out of the garden, out of paradise, so we will build our own paradise and we will kick him out of it. And so we're going to we're gonna get to God with effort. We're going to get to God with our strength. Nothing that, if we come in one mind, there's nothing we can't do. And this essentially is religion. It's that structure. It's we're going to work our way into favor. We're going to work our way. And, and people say, well, well, you're just talking about religious people in church. I'm, not, I'm talking about everybody. There's only two options. It's relationship or it's religion. Even people who don't believe in God are religious. They're devoted to some idea. They're committed to some idea. I'm going to tell you, the religious spirit... It, 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 it's, it's all across the world. People are devoted to their idea, devoted to their gods. They have some structure that brings them peace. They hide behind some kind of idea and way of living that makes them feel like they're safe and okay. This is the natural propensity. It was Cain and Abel, the first two sons of Adam and Eve, and one gave the right offering according to God's word, and one, the Bible says, he gave what he wanted when he wanted. He gave it his way. The religion of Cain says, I'm going to do what's best for me. And this is what religion does. At the the heart of religion, it's self-serving. 
And in every one of us, there's this default, there's this drift where we naturally kind of move from relationship into religion if we're not careful. Jesus calls it yeast. Has anybody ever had yeast rolls before? Aren't they amazing? The bread makes you spread. Hallelujah, amen. It's dangerous stuff. My, my mother-in-law, she makes yeast rolls every Thanksgiving. I can't wait for Thursday. Pray for me on Thursday at about 1 o'clock, all right? But she starts them the night before. She puts that yeast and that dough, and then she, she, she um, what is that word? What, what? Need. You need the dough. She's kneading the dough, she, and I need dough. We all need dough, okay? She's kneading the dough. And then she puts it in front of the fire so the yeast will spread. And, 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 then, and then she bakes it on, on Thursday uh, morning. And it's just, it's just scrumdiddlyumptious, as Wooly Wonka would say. It's just amazing, all right? But that yeast spreads. It spreads through all the dough. And it happens very quickly. And what, what, what happens is there's this proclivity in all of us to move very quickly from relationship to turn it into religiosity, to turn it into formalities, to turn it into my structure. What ends up happening is we know church, we know churchisms, we know church times, we know church lingo, but the question is, do we know Jesus? And I want to stretch your heart today and challenge you and ask the question, do you know religion or do you know Jesus? Because it's very possible that, look, you, you love the structure, and that's awesome. You love the, 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 the Garden of Eden, that's great. But, but the Garden of Eden is set to serve the relationship of Adam and Eve. And so, we, so what we got to understand is this, is that God has called us into something greater than religion. Watch this, Mark 7 and 13. It says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. You created traditions, you created your own expectations, you created, created your own ideas around it. What, what kind of church do I like? What kind of, uh, and all of a sudden you've got, you've, you've put God in a box and before you know it, you look in, he's not there. It was religion that killed Jesus. It was the Ethiopian eunuch who went in Acts chapter 8 to Jerusalem and he left still with questions. Religion didn't satisfy, it didn't answer the question, who is this who has suffered and who did he suffer for? Those are two powerful questions. Who is this righteous man who suffered and who did he suffer for? I'll tell you who he is. He's Jesus Christ and he suffered for you and he suffered for me. Religion can't answer that question, but a relationship with God can answer that question. Jesus is the cure, and religion is the infection, and religion comes in all kinds of shape and forms, and you could say, I'm not religious, but even in your, I'm not religious, you become religious in your, I'm not religious. We want Jesus, we want relationship. I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. And so we get automated. We want to automate our relationship. I mean, imagine trying to do this with someone you care about, someone you love, with your kids. You try to automate it. It doesn't work. A relationship is fluid. It's vulnerability. It's openness. It's conversation. I'm going to tell you what God desires more than you just showing up to church. Showed up to church four times in a row, doing good. You can't evaluate a relationship by showing up. We evaluate a relationship by what's happening in the heart. Is there transformation happening in us? very easy to default into a religious mindset. It's easy for that yeast to spread and you don't even realize that one little seed is put in your mind and all of a sudden you start defaulting to it. It was James and John who when Jesus was rejected by a city in Samaria, uh, in Samaria, they said, Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven. Let's just destroy these people. Jesus says, stop. You don't even know what spirit you're of. You're religious. 
you got a religious spirit on you. That's not why I came. I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save lives. It's about relationship. And again, I'm not here to point and say, you're religious, you're not religious, and, and I hope no one here points and no, no, no elbows to your spouse. That's not the point here. The point is this is an inventory of our hearts. Do, 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 we, do we celebrate the structure more than the relationship? It, it, there's a, it, there's a, a minister named Jimmy Evans, um, a, a fa- fabulous teacher, leader, and he just six months ago went to Cuba. Cuba's uh, now open to Americans to travel there. And so he went, and he was very curious on, on seeing the churches there. And so he had like two weeks of, 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 of going to different churches, and he went to one church, and there was faith, and there was a move of God, and people were getting saved. There was miracles happening. And he said, he, this is what he, he said this. He said, he turned to his friend and said, is this a Pentecostal church? They said, no. It's a Presbyterian church. Well, the next night they went to another church and moves of the Spirit, people giving their life, hunger for God, people on, on, at the altar praying and deep, powerful worship. He goes, what kind of church is this? Oh, it's a Methodist church. And they went to all these, they were denominational churches. He goes, man, they all feel like the same church. He said, yeah. In the 60s, all the denominational leaders had to leave. So all the churches got together and said, we have nothing except just a hunger for, we just want more of God. And now the churches are being filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down on structure and organization. I mean, all I'm saying is this, is that sometimes we let certain biases or ideas or groups and, and th- this group owns this, and this group kind of owns this. And what I'm telling you is this. When you step into relationship, you have access to all that Jesus promised, all the promises of the Scripture. We've got to get back to relationship and say, you know, I don't want religion in the sense of the structures and the sounds and the symbols. It's very easy to go, well, I like the seat. Church used to be, church used to be uh, you know, 72 minutes. Now it's 71 minutes. What's happening, you know? Now they're doing four services. Church is earlier. and Now, nah, but we're reaching people who are far from God. We're trying to get his heart. It's not about me. It's about fit, fulfilling God's commission in the earth. So we want it. Relation, uh, re- religion will always start with the, the idea that brings you to grief. You're not good enough. It always pointed out. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. And so that grief creates fear. And the fear will produce works. Now you're working. I gotta, I gotta do better. And works produce pride. And then pride always comes before a fall, and you're back to grief, and then fear, and works, and then you're back at pride, and then pride comes with a fall, and then there's grief. Come on, somebody. You've been in that cycle, that religious cycle. But when you start with, hey, he loved me while I was still a sinner. He loved me when I wasn't doing good, when I was at my worst. That's when he died for me. When I start there, then it produces hope, which leads me to faith, which leads me to charity, which leads back to the gospel or this this Christocentric gospel, which brings me to the revelation of his love for me, which brings hope, which brings faith, which brings charity. Come on, somebody. Relationship is greater than religion. Religion says you're not good enough. Relationship says Jesus is good enough. Religion says, I know what you've done. Relationship says, I know what has been done for you. Religion says, you must be perfect. Relationship says, there's none perfect but God. 
Religion says, do more and you can earn God's love. Relationship says, he loves you, rest in that. You're the apple of his eye. Religion says, I don't want to break God's rules. Relationship says, I don't want to break God's heart. Religion says, to stay away from sinners lest you become one. Relationship says, Jesus ate with sinners and they were transformed by his love. Religion gives the bad news, Christ gives the good news. Religion is conformative, relationship is transformative. Religion says you must earn it. Relationship says it's a a free gift. You'll never earn it or deserve it, but it's given to you because of God's goodness. And what religion ultimately sells is the idea of what we call behavior modification. That I've somehow, in my sinful nature, I've got to produce good works. I've got to work real hard to, to be good. And Jesus dealt with this. He said, he said, a good tree produces good fruit, an evil tree produces evil fruit. So when people tell me, I'm a good person, I just do bad things. Jesus said that's impossible because the fruit is revealing the nature of the tree. So Jesus didn't come to make you out of the evil heart try to produce good stuff. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to make you a good tree. I'm going to change the nature of your heart, and we'll see the fruit of that transformation. Watch what it says here in Colossians 2 and 15. We're going to put it up on the screen. we got one screen. Hallelujah. Amen. Colossians 2 and 15 says this. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. Can I just tell you, the cross changes everything. The cross changes everything. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or not celebrate in certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worshiping of angels or saying they've had some vision about these things. Their sinful mind has made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. It grows as God nourishes it. Watch this. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of this world? He's saying religiosity creates these rules, and it's of the world. It doesn't come from Christ. Watch this. Don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. Such rules are uh, mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and serve bodily uh, uh, and, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering what? A person's evil desires. You can create all the rules you want and still have a wicked heart. You can put a lion in a cage and say, oh, the lion hasn't eaten anybody for five months. Five years, the lion hasn't eaten anybody. Why? Because its nature has been changed? No, because it's behind bars. Remove the bars, it's still a lion. It still will hurt people. People get behind rules. They go, I can't, I, I, I can't do this. What if, what if Jesus' plan for your life is bigger than just creating some rules? It's a transformational change. A transformation from the inside out. That's what Jesus offers us. You've been struggling in an area? Let Jesus fellowship in that area. Come have fellowship in my heart. Transformation happens. When we allow fellowship, your secret is your sickness. King David defaulted. He drifted into that lane. He drifted into a religious mindset. 
He was a, it was a, a humble man. He was a man that grabbed God's heart and attention. He was a man after God's own heart. He becomes king, and in his kingship, he sees a, a woman that's not his wife, and he ends up ultimately committing adultery with her and getting her husband killed, putting him on the front lines. Her name's Bathsheba. And so the prophet comes to David and says, hey, David, um, we got an issue. I, I need you to help me with this. Okay, what is it? Uh, well, there was a man who had everything he ever needed, and there was a guy who had very little, and the man who had everything took from the man who had very little, and he said, what should we do? And David said, execute him. Capital punishment. Here's the problem. The Torah, the law, did not require capital punishment, death, because of stealing. You give it back, and then you give more back. What David was doing was he was projecting the judgment that was in his heart. Because murder and adultery were both capital punishment. He was actually judging based on the judgment that was in him. The shame and the guilt that was in him. When you become religious, you're actually just projecting the shame that's undealt with, that's hidden in your heart. People don't realize they, they, when you get, a, when you get a, a judgmental bend and you start looking at people and you start measuring and you start, all of a sudden, you don't realize it's coming out of a place, not a healthy place, not a relationship place. Jesus didn't have a problem sitting with sinners and publicans. He, he, he was leading them into a transformational relationship. What I'm telling you is this, is that there's a natural drift in every one of us to move out of relationship into religiosity. It says this. Matthew 7 and 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Done many wonderful works? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Look at all we did. Look, man, we did this good stuff and we, we helped with this. and Yeah, but I didn't know you. You did the good stuff, but I didn't know you. My question today is, is, do you know him? Does he know you? Have you really allowed him to become the Lord of your life? To fill your heart with his spirit? Do you know him? Or do we know church? And church is good. And I'm, I'm not trying to uh, defame or deface. I'm, not, I'm just saying that the purpose of all this is so people can know Jesus. The purpose of all that we do, the songs that we sing, everything that we do, even our giving, is so people can know Jesus. We want the world to know Jesus. We want them to discover life that's in Christ. I grew up in the South, and i am got a couple rednecks in my family. Country folk, if you know what I mean. Collard greens, okra, that kind of good stuff. And uh, we grew up with the, these, these jokes called, you may be a redneck. You ever heard those before? I'm going to share a couple with you real quick. If you missed the fifth grade graduation, if you missed your fifth grade graduation because of jury duty, you may be a redneck. If you own a homemade fur coat, you may be a redneck. If you've ever been in a custody battle for a hunting dog, you may be a redneck. If you keep a can of Raid on the kitchen table, you may be a redneck. If the Salvation Army declines your mattress, you may be a redneck. If you think suspenders are a type of shirt, you may be a redneck. All right. So I got some for you here. You may be, you may be religious. I'm going to give you a little, little 
something here. If you feel more guilty about missing church than mistreating your coworker, you may be religious. If you think, which are the big sins? Which are the small sins? What can I get away with? You may be religious. If you're more worried about what people think about you than what God thinks about you, you may be religious. If you only pray publicly, not in private, you may be religious. If you feel more spiritual when you're right about a spiritual, biblical matter or debate, then you may be religious. If you feel like criticizing others in the name of God, then you may be religious. If you think you deserve to go to heaven, you may be religious. Here's the quiz. You have to ask yourself this. Are you going to heaven? Don't say anything. Don't look. Don't, don't. I want you to think about this. Are you going to heaven? This is the pop quiz. Are you going to heaven? The next question is this. If you said yes in your heart, in your mind, the next thing is why? Did you say because of what you've done? Or did you say because of what he's done? Ask yourself, what is in my heart? Am I religious? Here's what I love. The Bible says John the Beloved, who was in relationship with Jesus, loved Jesus. Jesus is at the Passover, the Last Supper, and he turns to them and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And all the disciples jump up, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And John the Revelator, John the Beloved, had his head on the Lord's chest and looks up at him and goes, which one is it? Because he was in relationship. There's something powerful when you are close to his heart and you're in relationship. I'm going to give you a couple things really quickly, very quickly, of what you can do to initiate this relationship. Number one is repent. i got to change my mind. i got to change my heart. God, I need this. I repent of my religion. Everybody in this world has to repent of the religions and the rituals and the things that we've created that come between us and a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said there was a tax collector who nobody liked in those days and a Pharisee who went to the temple both pray. The Pharisee said, God, I'm thankful I'm not like this guy. Thankful I haven't done this, 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 this. I've done this, 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 this. And the other man comes and he beats his chest. And he goes, I have sinned and I have failed. And Jesus said, which one do you think left righteous? The one who repented. The one who came humbly. You got to repent. You got to repent. It's the only way to break the back of a religious spirit. Number two, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. There's something in between you and Jesus, and he's initiating a relationship. And there may be a door, some door. I don't know what it is. Book of Revelation says we've got to open that door to him. Open your life to him. Open your life to a relationship. Open your life to allowing him to speak to your heart and guide you. Wake you up in the middle of the night. Stir you with compassion. Stir you with conviction. Allow Jesus into your world. I want Jesus. I want relationship. Open the door. Number three, you've got to stop dating Jesus. And you've got to get committed. Well, I want to keep all my options open. We're just going to date. No. You need to put a ring on that finger. Send out those engagement cards. That's what I love about baptism. You know, baptism is like, is like the ring. It's like me saying, 
yeah, I'm married. It's not what makes me married, but it's me saying, yeah, I'm married. I'm going public. You know, it was, it was Nicodemus who came by night. Jesus, hey, he's a Pharisee. Hey, uh, I, I, I think we're, we're catching on here. There's something to your minute. There's something to you. And, 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 and I think we're starting to believe. Jesus says, up, oh, uh, if you want this kingdom, you got to be born again. You got to go public. Be born of water and spirit. You've been doing this private, private, secret disciple, secret believer for too long. Come to Jesus at night. Jesus, I think we're, we're open to the idea that maybe. Nope, go public. Let the water and let the spirit transform you. Give your heart to this. And then number four. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up a cross. There's a crossless Christianity that's being sold. The cross is not rules. The cross is his burden. Carry his burden. Carry his burden for this world. Carry his burden for the lost. Carry his burden to see, to see his goodness flourish. Carry his burden for your life and for your family. You got to have a cross. It's where I put my. It's where I die to this flesh, because this flesh will always want to create the check boxes and the rules and regulations and make it easy and find out how close to the line can I get without sinning. Just take up a cross and follow me. You got to have a consecration. A relationship's going to cost you something. It's going to change your world. You can't get married and your world not be changed. Come on, guys. Can't get an amen. Yes, honey, I'm running three minutes late. I'll be home. I'll do the dishes, all right? I'll do the dishes. And your, your whole world changed. You think different. Your world's different. And you can't step into a relationship and it be all about you. Religion is me-centered. Relationship is other-centered. So I'm saying, I'm picking up the cross and I'm saying, yes, I will follow you. Is there anybody here that wants relationship? and not religion. Come on, somebody. Would you stand with me?